<laughs> I promise. <laughs> Sandra Reimer competed for the Netherlands three times, twice solo and once together with Andres, originally Dries Holtem, during the 70s. How did everything start for her? How many more attempts did she make to reach our beloved contest? What happened with her career in her home country? And what kind of person was she? Sandra Reimer sadly passed away in 2017. So instead, I have invited her younger brother, Frank Reimer, who is currently working on a book about the Reimer family and was very close with his sister throughout her life. And maybe next year will become a Eurovision legend himself. He and his relatives have been so kind and given me full access to her material with demos and other hidden gems. And you will hear some of these treasures in this episode. As always, I'm your host, Emil Lövström, and this is Eurovision Legends. Welcome to Eurovision Legends, Frank Reimer. Uh, thank you very much, Emil. Glad to be on the show. First and foremost, I'm extremely grateful that you were willing to record this episode and remember your sister together with me and my listeners. Yes, well, I, I think it is an honor that befalls me to be in your show and telling about my sister because she was a singer of international quality. Yeah. That that is really that is really what I think that she is, and and perhaps Holland was probably too small for her, or also in her later career. But well, that's just me talking, huh? I totally agree about her abilities, and it was Sandra's old agent, actually Rick, who advised me to contact <laughs> you, since he thought you would be the perfect person for this. As I understand that you and your sister were very close. Yes, we started music together yeah. in, the, in the 60s of the last century. And we started uh, singing and doing all kinds of local uh, song festivals. Now you have The Voice and The X Factor, like yeah. that, shows like that. But in the 60s, there wasn't hardly any television. <laughs> so they uh, had that in little song contests locally in, in villages around the place where we lived. Yeah. And so we went there with my father and his two children, uh, 10 and 8 years old in that, in that time. And uh, we won two third places, three second places and 11 first places. And then in 63, she was discovered or picked up by Phonogram and made her first uh, single. I thought that was in 1962. It could be 1962 also. <laughs> we'll, we'll listen to her first single, Al Dila. Okay. Al Dila, yes, yes. Al Dila. Nam de wind. 
If we take the Cliff Notes version of her biography, she was born as Barbara Alexandra Rema in a local hospital in Indonesia as the first yes. child. And yes. got called Sandra, spelled with an X. Uh, no. No? That's not, this is not what I know. Uh, but I could be wrong. Because I checked this on her homepage. Yes. What I think is that um, the information from Indonesia, as far as I know, she was just Barbara Alexandra mm. Raymer, called yeah. Sandra. But this could be, of course, what do you have in, in, in the show business is marketing, of course. Yeah, yeah. And before Colorado, I am not sure. But this could be, it's nice that you can come up with this. Because this could be a change of her uh, image. Yeah. They said, well, okay, if, it, if this is uh, like this, then, we, then we, Sandra, Sandra and Andres, that those periods are over. So yep. we, we make a new beginning and let us uh, uh, get to a different image of this artist, of this person. Well, you have an X in your name. Sandra with an X, is, it looks correctly. Well, we will do that. And then you have to, to take care of uh, the fundaments of that kind of things. Well, that might be have happened. Okay. And during the 50s, she and your family had to leave Indonesia because your family had a Dutch nationality. And yes. the Dutch colonial history made Indonesia decide to get rid of all the Dutch people. Yep. Do you have any memories of this? Or can you tell us anything about this? Yes, I can. The Indonesian people said, well, uh, we have defeated together the Japan. Th that's okay. But now we would like to have our own country back, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they were right, of course. Uh, my father was born in Indonesia, my mother also. But they were born from a Dutch uh, military people. Uh, my, my grandmother on mother's side is a real Javanese woman. And my grandmother on father's side was a real Chinese woman. So that's why we have this lighter skin, I think. Um, we lived in a place called Bandung, which is now a very nice place in Indonesia. And uh, for instance, we lived in a beautiful house with uh, people who lived in the house as servants. And from our garden... Over the road, which was just a sand, sandy thing, then you were in the what we call the kampung. And those, there, the people with no money lived there, generally more Indonesian people. And what I remember very, very lividly is uh, all this, this uh, flying flies with uh, bioluminescence, like little lamps flying. That, that's what I recall. What I also remember is March 1958, that we arrived in Rotterdam with uh, the boat uh, Willem Ruys. And later on, that boat was called Aquilo Laure. And that boat was uh, suddenly famous because it was used in political things by the PLO, I think. Yeah. And they, they seized that boat, etc. And another time later, that boat is sunk near the Mauritania, Maldives, somewhere like there. But on that boat, we came in, in Holland in March uh, 1958, and it snowed that day <laughs> we stood there and said wow this is very strange <laughs> so that's what i recall and i also remember the hotel where we were put as a family in a village called st michiel's gestel don't even try but <laughs> i promise <laughs> And those 
there were people who took care of us. And we lived there for about a year. In the meantime, the house where we would live in St. Michiel's Gestel was built. Those were nice times, really. Sandra started her music career early in life, and if Google is correct, she was only 12 years old when the first single got released, titled Aldila, that we listened to before. How yeah. did everything start? The the southern part of Holland, where we lived, is uh, religious, right? Yep. And so, in a certain a church must be built. And my father, he's always been very, very religious. And uh, he said, well, okay, I will help you gather money in the village where we lived to raise money to build a church. Yeah. And uh, he made a song festival or a music festival. So, and he asked uh, Sandra and me to sing and uh, some children from the neighborhood. So th that is the real start of uh, the singing on that wooden uh, podium where perhaps a hundred people from the village were <laughs> gathered and, and where, uh, you know, things were sold, uh, what you find in your, in your attic or in your shed and to just to raise money. And those children of the neighborhood uh, would sing some songs. Yeah. That was the inclination that was uh, why we were there. And that proceeded, that yeah. went on and on and on. And in that time, there were little festivals locally, and we joined them. And there we, we, we had, well, we, we won all the prizes. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, and all, the, and, and those uh, awards I still have. And, uh, oh, there is a recording from the last contest that we were in, Sandra and I. And this guy, I'll send you this. I'll, yeah. I will send you this, really. It is a real bad recording because it's 1963, I think. The last thing that we did, and after that, we were uh, discovered. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, we were called Sandra and Frankie. Yep. Yep, that was it. But everyone in our home and the family always called me Frank and Sandra just Sandra. And you released <laughs> some songs, and I guess they were in Indonesian? Yes, because my father was prone to get some things back to the family in Indonesia. So he tried to uh, uh, make 
uh, Rini Geveke, if I'm not if I'm correct, and she was the producer in that phonogram to record an EP, as it was called, it was a larger than the single. And yeah, well, we sung on that uh, thing with with the, with the same children from the neighborhood that we did uh, a few years before that on the, on this uh, church building uh, raft. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Di mana mau mancing ikan laut terlalu jauh Ikan lela ada di kali ada di kali ada di kali Ikan lela ada di kali kali lumpur yang bau Sandra, yeah, well, you 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 see those pictures of little girls with a with a with a, something in their hand that impersonates a singer. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what Sandra did. Yeah. So my father built a guitar for her. I know, I know. Yes, I still have that guitar because that guitar was eventually, let's say, thirty years ago, given to me because Sandra said, "Well, yeah, well, I didn't want to have that guitar because I couldn't work with that," and so I. I was eight years then. I have uh, learned to play the guitar. Mm. And that is the reason that I got into the music. Then the other things came also. And we had, and we had this Rudy Carell. And he was very famous in Holland in the, in the early 60s. And he was a stand-up comedian-like guy. And he, he moved to Germany and became really famous there. But in, he started in Holland and he, he, he had a show. And on that show, Sandra and I were there, of course. And Sandra did the Aldila song and I did Summertime of Gershwin. And that was uh, 63. And that means that Google could be right after all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, if we move forward to the 70s, she participated in Eurovision for the Netherlands three times during the 70s. It was 1972, 76 and 79. And before we dig into those years, I wonder if you know if she made her first attempt at a pre-selection in Netherlands in 1970. Yes, but really from far, I think. I know that she went to Knokke in Belgium, but this is all very vague to me. I was uh, by that time myself trying to get my chemistry studies uh, in order. Um, I know there was this, this pre-selection thing, I know, but I, I really don't know anything about that. The song she competed with in 1970 was titled Fobé is the Winter. Oh! What, were, were the pronunciation okay? Voorbij is de winter. Ja. Zolang van mij nu dat ik lieg en valt voor jou niet meer te vragen. Zolang ik wist dat jij een ander had, heb ik gedaan alsof. Probeer maar niet, het lukt je niet, hoef me niet meer te verlachen. Al was ik niet gewicht, misschien is het nog erger. Vlak staat stil, de tijd gaat verder. Als ik omkijk, zie ik het niet dat Zero points and a last place together with three other participants. And the song never got released. Do you know if there is exists a studio version of the song? Oh, 
I don't know. I have not heard it, but I have about 200 gig all the recordings that were ever made and all the television shows that you has ever done. So perhaps it is somewhere there, but we never looked for uh, the things uh, like these very, very, very early uh, uh, recordings. So it might be there, Emil, I'm not sure, but I will go and look. Let me make a little note about that. Yep. Good. Uh Two years later, three songs competed in the Dutch pre-selection and Sandra sang them all together with Andres, originally yeah. Dries Holten, yeah. that she had formed a duo with. How come they formed this duo? Andres, Dries, had followed us since 66. He was an accomplished uh, show uh, guy already. Yeah. Yeah. He had a band, the New Five, something like that. And uh, he was interested in what these, those other guys from Indonesia were doing. And they were so young. Yeah. Uh, because he, he is, uh, he's 30, he's 16 years older than Sandra is. Yeah. So when Sandra was 17, he was 31, something like that. And, and he was really accomplished. He had a, the beautiful car. He had the beautiful coats. He had, he was going on. And he knew Hans van Heemert. Yep. Which would be the, the producer. And exactly. they, yeah, right. And they, they were friends. The, the idea was from Hans, I think, the idea was, uh, let, uh, join together. Can you do something with Sandra? Uh, can Sandra do something with you? Is, are, are your voices, uh, compatible enough? Things like that. And, uh, well, they tried some things that was, that was, uh, in my parting year, that like say 67. Yeah. That Sandra and I were all already, uh, performing a lot. And I was phased out because for me, there was no path, uh, by my parents to go into the show business. So I should become a doctor and so on. So it's no problem for me. It's, it's okay. And they hooked up. Yeah. And try things. And then, oh, this is a story you, no one has ever heard before. Uh, Sandra, 17, uh, must finish her, uh, HBS, which is a, let's say a good, uh, school. And she was also a little annoyed, as I recall. And to get this, um, <laughs> this eager, young woman who wants to sing and wants to get out they said well i i have a song from somewhere han said <laughs> and maybe we can do that okay then uh that sound like i'm going to the studio then it will be a little calm around her right yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they did and uh, the song that uh, that Hans had was uh, Storybook Children. Oh, and that became a top 10 hit. Yes, only after a year, because it was recorded in 68, Yeah. eventually, and only in 69, it really boomed. And, well, the rest is history. But that is how it started. Why can't we be like stories? We go back to the pre-selection in 1972. There yeah. are three songs, three yep. songs competed. Yep. Um, 
als het om de liefde gaat. Ja, als het om de liefde gaat. This is great because I say them and then you can correct them. Okay. And I cut off myself. <laughs> okay. Na 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 na. Wat zal ik het doen om nog een dag van jou te zijn? De oude zigeuner. De oude zigeuner. Yep. Lang so feen niet. You know what? I've talked Hebrew and I have talked Croatian in this podcast. And everyone always says, oh my God, your pronunciation is so good. But when it comes to Dutch, I'm worthless. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it sounds so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Not per se your pronunciation, but that's in general, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oof, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, those three songs were written by Dries and Hans. And, well, the, the story goes... <laughs> the story goes, uh, There is, of course, a daughter of Dries. Yes. Astrid. Mm -hmm. That is a very, very, very good friend of mine. And uh, she, she told me that uh, in this particular case, Sandra was not particularly amused. <laughs> mm -hmm. And... So uh, they had played the three songs for her, and Sandra said, well, then we should do the oude Sigeuner, the, the, the old uh, gypsy. And they um, uh, voted. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. to do the Als het om de liefde gaat, because it was far more commercial. And uh, the, the, the Astrid told me, Astrid said to me, well, uh, Sunrise uh, said, well, okay, it is the, the best of the three worthless songs. <laughs> <laughs> But do you think she changed her opinion about the song later in life? Well, it could very well be because Sandra is, of course, a performing artist and you need uh, your your audience to, to get by, yeah. right? So you have to, to earn some money, of course. Yeah. And that is the difference between the musical interest that Sandra had and that I had because I, I did not, well, I would like to do something that could sell, right? Yeah. But I, will, I would not make something per se commercial out front. I would try to make something that I would like. And if the people would like it, it was great with me. If yeah. not, yeah. that's okay. But that's why I'm, I went into the automation ICT world. Yeah. I, and uh, she was looking for commercial songs and together with Dries and Hans. And I was looking for songs that had some artistic meaning, quote unquote. And uh, so we would, uh, that was a nice uh, conversation from, from time to time. The, the contest in 1972 was held in Edinburgh in the yep. United Kingdom. Do you know any details from that year and what happened there? Has she told you anything about it? No, no, I, I really don't know because they were so busy. That what I know from that, from that period of time, like seven, the, the 1972, 74, I guess, they were really peaking. So they had like 35 performances per month. So they, they, they did some, uh, sometimes three performances on a, on a day. And this was in the 1970s, right? So they were really, really, really busy. So there was no time for any, well, normal relationship in family like uh, atmospheres. Yeah. Not done. Vicky Leandros with Après Toi won for yeah. Luxembourg. Après Toi! The yeah. New Seekers with the song Bag Stealer Borrow came second for the United Kingdom. You know I'll bag, steal or borrow To give you sunny days And in a hundred ways I'll bring you love And Marie Rose from West Germany, third, with only one point more than Sandra and Andres. I usually ask my guests what they think about the result, and especially the top three. So I'm asking yeah. you, do you have any opinions about the result? Yes, I have. Um, of course, I'm, I'm a little biased, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> Because, okay. Uh, but uh, Vicky Leandros, wonderful, clear voice, a nice performance. And, and I think that my, my parents loved that also. So it was a bit, you know, uh, an awkward situation. Yeah, we, we would like to have Sandra and, and, and Riz won the thing, of course. But yeah, well, Figure the was a very good contender. So yeah. Yeah. If you have just this, this subject, 
then you see that as a family, you had this queer dynamics. Uh, yeah, well, the, the, the winner was a good winner. Yeah, but you are my child. <laughs> I would like to have you one. And that is a very good instance of what I'm, what I'm trying to convey in my book. But we didn't talk about that yet. <laughs> 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 but we will <laughs> but this is a good instance of it right this is a very good example of how how things uh, can uh, within the walls of the family yeah. there is something different going on than in the outside world so there you are the in, in holland you were the practically uh the conquerors of that because you had the fourth place well that's very nice etc etc and even more performances came out of that Yeah, and they were invited to Japan and to Chile or whatever, all kinds of uh, contests that they did. But in the house, if you're not the number one, you are just the loser. But if the contenders are really good, like a Vicky Leandros, yeah, it's, it's so uh, complex. It is a complex situation. They recorded the song in Dutch, English, French, and German. became a minor hits in several countries and with cover versions in native languages with other singers as well. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> During the years 1968 to 1975, Sandra and Andres had a successful career together and released nearly 30 singles in Dutch, English, French, German and Spanish. Yep. Why did they split? Um, why did they split? Yeah, th- there's, of course, uh, the diplomatic answer and there is the political answer. <laughs> uh, yeah. Neither of them will cover the truth, of course. What uh, do you think then? 
Well, I, I think that if you are working together so intensively as they have, then your connection wears out. You will uh, uh, gradually know things of the other that are not particularly in your comfort zone. Yeah. So, so the friendship dries out. And I think that is what happened. Yeah, I, I really don't know if it, this is the truth, but this is what I find when I go back to that period in, in time. Yeah, because they were on the, on, on the very summit of their, of their uh, being famous. Yeah. But do they stay friends later in life? Yes, I, I, I have to rely on Astrid uh, with her information for this. Yeah. They were. They, they were friends, and, uh, but there, there was a gap of, uh, let's say, 15 years or something. And after that, they uh, just uh, picked it up again. But as a family, so the other children, the other four children, my other brother and my two sisters, didn't know that. Okay. So that was that was a little shielded off, oh, but that could be uh, because the, those other children are all academics. Yeah. See, so we had all our own uh, lives and, and and marriages and things and children and etc. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's not really strange that we didn't know, uh, but uh, now with hindsight, uh, we would uh, I would have liked to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody rise and raise your glasses in a toast Here's to auntie, here's to auntie We're grown up people now, but still we say It's you who showed us how and led the way And so we thank you, auntie, every now After the split, Sander took part in the pre-selection to Eurovision again in the Netherlands. Do you know if the song The Party's Over Now was written especially for her? Yes, I think Hans uh, von Heemert uh, had to, uh, to write something specifically for this. And of course, Hans knows what Sandra's voice can do. And I think in that context, you could say, well, this is uh, written to the voice and to the capacities of Sandra by the composer in this yeah, case yeah. and that Harry van Hoog was uh, also one of the guys who were into this because he made arrangements of the orchestra of course in that, in that time uh, but I think uh, you could you could say that Hans made the song with the voice and the performance cap capacities of Sandra in mind yeah, yeah. if it was really dedicated to her it's a different question of course I don't yeah. think that is the case but uh, he made something apt for her Party's
this was his third attempt in Eurovision since he composed the song I See a Star that Martha McNeil competed with in 1974 as well. Yeah. Sandra was never offered to sing that song. I don't know. In 74, they were, I think, in, in uh, somewhere in the world, being uh, busy with uh, being Sandra and Andres. Yeah, That's yeah. what I think, because they're, they're, perhaps they were asked, and they said, well, uh, we are uh, working now so so uh, many uh, times, so it's not necessary to, to, to join in again. Well, if you find a demo version of I See a Star in the dungeon, you can, you can contact me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> The pre-selection in 1976 was held in The Hague, and by a margin of five points, she beat Boland and Boland with the song Souvenir, and got to represent her country on home soil, since Teach In and Ding Dong had brought the contest home to the Netherlands and yeah. The Hague, and to the same arena as the pre-selection was held. Yeah. And a funny nerd fact is that Boland and Boland, who got second place later, became the composers of her song in 1979, Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, because if you are, of course, on stage all of them and you are Sandra and he is Ferdy, then um, electricity was there. Yeah. So the whole city lighted up. And then after that, they got married and then, well, so. <laughs> Souvenir Another nerd fact is that her former duet partner, Anders, competed in this pre-selection with his new partner, Rosie. Rosie. Yeah, Rosie. They finished second to last with their song. Um, what do you know about your participation in Eurovision 1976? Not, not much, I, I'm, I'm afraid, because um, 76 was for Sandra, uh, like she had to start over as a solo artist. But I really, I really do not have very many details on that. I'm, I'm sorry. No worry. <laughs> United Kingdom with Brotherhood of Man won. This is for me. Ferry for France got second place. And third ended Monaco with Mary Christie. Your sister, Sandra, for the Netherlands ended ninth. Do you know if this was a disappointment for her? Yeah, I think what I recall was uh, she was sad because she had expected more because the song was a very, very good song. 
Yeah. And it still is, I, I think. Yeah. And it reminds you a little bit of those were the days. And that, so this is, this is a very good song to perform. And Sana could sing this very beautifully. Yeah, well, you know. So I think that the expectations were a little bit higher. And it was sad that it was only the ninth place. Yeah. But okay, what can you do? The song was released in several countries and she recorded the song in English and French. has been covered in several languages by other artists. <laughs> And this song became her biggest hit in the Netherlands. Yep. Is it still played on the radio? Um, well, this is. I, I'm not sure if we can do this in the podcast. <laughs> But I do not have a radio. <laughs> I see. But do you know if it has become an evergreen in the Netherlands? I think so. I think that uh, there is, a, I, I think, an, an interview that Sandra gave uh, that she said, well, I made, well, she was in Berlin, I guess, so, wh whatever, uh, that she said, well, I made a, a medley of all the songs. And even for the younger people that she sang uh, uh, for, they could really sing along with her. Uh, because the song was so easy to 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 pick up, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, but yeah. also, uh, uh, she said, "Well, this is really what we what you would like to to experience as an artist that people remember your song." Yeah. And uh, she was very. Uh, if it is an evergreen, by that reason, I'm not sure. But I think I'm I'm sure that a lot a lot of people in Holland know. Yes. That year, 1976. I know you made a song titled "Careless Love." Yes, that your Careless. sister Sandra sang the demo of. Please tell us the story about this song. Well, if love is careless, then you might wonder what kind of love you are having. And I was in that uh, time seeking my own path in life. I thought, uh, growing older, I can see the shadows of my thoughts. That is, that is the, the first sentence I came up with. Because I thought, well, if you go through this period of this reflective period, then you can perhaps find another way to hope, another way to getting your life uh, on track, etc. That that happened for me in, in that very strange time. And that is why love can be careless. So that that is the reason why I wrote the song. It is a little bit a cryptical lyrics, I think, but um, Sandra liked the melody. So we made this demo, and then this demo was lost in time. <laughs> but you find it. I found it back. So that 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 tape, that cassette, was in in a box during several. Um, I moved because I, I I divorced in the in the nineties. 20, 25 years later, I found back that cassette. I listened to it. Wow, I have to still have that song. How incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so that is why the quality of the song is so bad. But it is a real song by Sandra 
and uh, nobody has ever heard this before. And the nicest thing about this, of course, is that Justin, that's really the only nephew that she has who has singing uh, capacities. Mm. They would they would try and uh, record the song. And uh, in 2016, Justin called me and he said, Pa, can you prepare recordings? Because beginning of uh, next year, we can make a, a, a first demo uh, with a version that Sandra and I will sing. Okay. So I started preparations for that. And then in December of 2016, Sandra told us the, that she was uh, really ill. Yeah. And so the recording could not go through. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, we listened to the version from 1976 and the later version recorded with your son, Justin's vocal. Okay, I like that. Growing older, I could see the shadows of my thoughts. Far too late to think again, I passed all I was taught. Suddenly I feel your eye, bound to understand. Drops a tear of a sad goodbye Reflection of your mind Faithful lightning On the rose I set down on the bank Maybe though I'd never find Again a lover's hand Could you show thing he has sung this with me after that because all the people from the from the Dutch show business were on this uh, castle here in, the, in nearby and very many of those people uh, got to to Justin and say wow you just you just sound like your aunt well, well that is the start of uh, the the Riemer cube as we call it because my older son Timmy is a producer. He makes the tapes, and I'm making the songs, and Justin is singing them. So, so, so that is the act that we uh, have put together since then. 
but we did not really go out. Of course, it was just nice to be together, father, two sons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a great time with those two kids. I did some research. And I oh. saw that you had a minor career as a singer yourself, too, during the 70s. Uh, yes, You released some singles. Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Titled Morning, Portray and Sometimes. Oh, that's a very long time ago. Oh, oh, this is very nice. There's this guy, and his, his, his name is John Fish. And he's a very big, he was a very big management, uh, artist management uh, bureau. And, and he really liked the ideas that I had to make songs on the basis of classical music. And he gave me a lot of money to make this, uh, this album. And after six songs only, <laughs> I, I, I ran out of money. So we had the first picture LP, I think, in the, in the Netherlands, <laughs> in the world perhaps, because it was issued in 76, I guess. And uh, so there was only six songs because I, for one bar of music, I invited nine trumpets, trombones, things like that, to, just to make one chord with all those instruments. Of wah, gone. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> so that was not really uh, efficient, <laughs> economically. <laughs> And, and one of the songs of, of that of that album, of that half album, was released as a single. And I had one television performance for that in, in Top Pop. But uh, well, it, for me, being an artist was not the same as what Sandra experienced. If you are a podium person, then you need the audience because it will it will feed you. But that is not what I was aiming for. I was just making music because I thought, what happens if you put that note there instead of there? That, that was more, my, my approach was really different. We listened to some of your songs from the 70s. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Are you sure? <laughs> yes, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Wow. Sandra, this time spelled with an X instead of an S, got the honor to perform all the five competing songs in the Dutch pre-selection. And yes. the songs were in order Liefling, Lila Lavendel, Intercity, Farbenjehin, <laughs> Farbenjehin, <laughs> and Colorado. <laughs> Thank God for that, some English titles here. Bloemen in de weg, 
remember the songs, Frank? No, I only remember Colorado, of course. And I remember the, uh, the image change. Yep. Uh, as you said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call myself, uh, X Andra. And I said, well, it's, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. Are you trying to sell Coca-Cola in a different bottle? You will not sell anything anymore, right? And I do not agree with you. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and what so, did you, did you thought about your opinion? Nothing. She, she was not uh, impressed at all. <laughs> she was always interested in the things that I said. Yeah. I, I'm really sure about that. Yeah. But she would not, well, she had a different idea. And yeah. what, uh, what uh, we were taught by, by father and mother, if people are different, that is okay. Be glad that they are not like you. So the, uh, you have to respect, uh, another being, Absolutely. another person, another, all that, that is how we are. We were uh, educated and, and informed and, and grow, we grow, grew up with, uh, with mom and dad. So that was, that was, uh, so, so we had that uh, between the children also. Colorado won by big in the Netherlands with uh, yes. and nearly got 100 points more than the songs that got second. Uh, and this time the trip went to Israel. Yep. Had she told you anything about Jerusalem? Yes, because uh, uh, in 19, just years later, 1996, uh, 1995, 96, whatever, I went there and tried to follow her path. And that was the same path that everyone followed, though. <laughs> <laughs> because that, that was the path that Jesus did. Yeah. Uh, but she was very impressed. Uh, uh, she was very impressed of Jerusalem and, and the history that was there because uh, uh, we, we were uh, uh, very religious, of course. Yeah. My, our father and mother were very religious, so we were really into uh, what this Jesus uh, guy was doing. Yeah. And uh, we had to go to church, of course. Yeah. My, our father had... Uh, built it itself himself or, or helped <laughs> raise the money to build it so we had to go to church and in 1966 67 something like that in the midst of the the youth revolution and the sexual revolution that there was in the in the world uh, we went to our dad and said pa we will not go to church anymore Ooh. oh this was you know a bomb but uh being in his conviction that people are people that you have to respect. Yeah. His answer was, okay, if this is your choice. What a lovely father you had. What a lovely yes. father. Yeah. Yes. So there was not not strong word used in that uh, epic moment. So we we, uh, we did that together, for instance. Yeah. And I went one, one, one step further. I went to the, uh, how do you call that, uh, where, uh, where you are in the... In the, in, in the village or in the town, you have these registers of all the of all the people who live there. Yeah. And in that time, uh, it was also uh, noted what kind of religion you had. Yes. Yeah. And I went there in in Saint Michiel's Gestel, and I said, "Can you erase that for me, please?" And they did. Uh, but uh, uh, Sandra was uh, was not. Uh, erased from that register so that's oh that's okay also of course yeah that was the jerusalem thing because it was a very important thing in the family and she was very impressed by the 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 walk that this christ uh, had done and uh, so i i copied that yeah. with another tourist group yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But the intention was nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 1979 was a very strong year in Eurovision, and many songs became great hits around the world after the competition. I'm I'm thinking of the winner, of course, Hallelujah, and Genghis yep. Khan from Germany, who ended yep. fourth. <gasps> Disco Tango from Denmark that ended sixth. Disco Tango Eleka of Gut Mechanity of Lockdown Melnit Fall And the song that strangely only ended in a twelfth place. Colorado. Colorado, yeah. This song still became a top five hit in eight different countries. Why do yes. you think the song Colorado didn't place better in Eurovision? Could there be a, a Sandra fatigue? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking upwards now and I say, sorry, Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but um, I, don't, I don't know. Because what, what happens is um, if you look at the songs that really won, yep. in that time, the festival was, was not politicized so very much, right? Yeah. So, uh, uh, when Ger- Germany came with this Genghis Khan, that was, that was a real feat. This was added to what, uh, performances do. That was different. And by being different, it, it could make an honest chance. Whereas if you look at that way and the, the, who was, who was, who was the winner again for that, uh, 1979 thing? Hallelujah, uh, Israel. Ha- hallelujah, that was it. Hallelujah. Yeah, it is a, a song that, that is a little strange, isn't it? So you have the, if you p- pick Colorado, which is a nice song, no doubt about that, very well written, yeah. uh, original, but the concept of the song is, of course, very old-fashioned. It is the, the verse and the chorus. Yeah. Whilst Hallelujah had this different approach It had a verse and a chorus, but it had a little different thing about that. And if I remember well, the chorus burst out in three voices. Yeah. And then harmony, which is very, very nice. And some of the harmonies were a little daring. That's what I remember of that song. So I think um, if you put those two together, then you say, well... There is the, the newer view on how songs could be written. Yeah. There is uh, a newer way of how you put things on a stage, uh, like Genghis Khan. Uh, and so what uh, I think Finland had, had used some roots in this thinking. How can I change the way I stand on a podium, on a stage to convey my message? And then you have something that is in quality of singing perfect Sandra with a very nice song Colorado yeah and I think that perhaps only the nice song and the perfect performance is was not enough that could be but you can't say really no no of course not but we can speculate we can speculate yes and and we can learn uh, in speculating you can also learn uh, what you should be doing what you should not be doing and and find a new way to come to other insights in how to to make something for this uh, for, uh, if if you would compete if you would try to to get on that stage yeah you have to think of something that is different but recognizable yeah and, and that's of course very hard to do but um, 
She recorded Colorado in Dutch, English and German and as usual singers around Europe covered the song in their native languages as well. Yes. I remember from my chat with Kobe Oshrat, the composer of the winning song Hallelujah, that he fell in love with your sister during that week. Did she yeah. tell you anything about this or anything else from behind the scenes from the week in Jerusalem? <laughs> no. Oh. Now I hear this. As, oh, um, fab- well, maybe she was not only revered by and impressed by the, the Jerusalem historical thing, but also a, a more, you know... Uh, More secretive, uh, yeah, maybe <laughs> endeavor. Yeah, one would never know, of course. Um, now, now she, had, she did not tell uh, me. Uh, another story was that she fell in love with Stephen Stills, of course, with Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. In this, he was in Holland in '72, '73. I don't, I know. So she sent me to uh, have a chat with this guy, Mr. Stills. Mm-hmm. And I really, I did met him in the Concertgebouw. And he only said, wow, far out, man. He was, he was really high in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst with two, two feet on the ground. And she, and uh, eventually she learned that he was with Veronique Chanson, the French singer. And she was so angry with her, really. She was really angry with Veronique Chanson. She never had met this girl, of course, but uh, this is uh, Hell Has No Fury <laughs> than a woman. So, so that was this. <laughs> During this week, Kobe Oshrat got an offer from the manager and fifth member of the Swedish group, ABBA, Stickan Andersson who was on site in Israel and wanted to contract him as a composer. Sadly, Kobe Oshrat didn't notice that the slightly worn and drunk man was the powerful manager of ABBA, so he never replied. And why I am bringing this up is because I know that Stikan Andersson's personal favorite was the song Colorado. So mm-hmm. I wonder if you know if he offered her something too. I don't know that. Because if, if Sandra would have known this or if someone in her entourage would have known this then i would certainly have known this because the things that in that era i said we we, uh, we were both uh, in our 30s and 20s begin 30s and and so everything is vibrant life is getting to you right so uh, we had a lot of contact in that period of time Uh, certainly, and I would have noticed, but, but no, I, I do not recall anything about uh, Mr. Anderson. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. hmm. Well, in any way, this became her last time in Eurovision as a lead singer, but she did back up for Bernadette in 1983 in Munich behind the song Sing Me a Song. Yep. But I guess she didn't tell you anything about Munich. <laughs> nope. <laughs> But do you know if she made any more attempts to compete in Eurovision after 1979? No. So, uh, what I know is that she thought, well, this was this was done. She had the feeling that uh, while she was, look, normally you go. This is my interpretation. Normally you you go for uh, for a competition and then you end uh, number 10. 
Yeah. The second time you do that, you end number five, and then you end as the winner, yeah. right? That's yeah. the normal yes. flow. Yeah. In her case, I think she went uh, to from four to nine to twelve. Yeah. So she must have had the thought that this was not the way to go, and that might have induced her television career. So that she thought, well, as a singer, this is not path that I should pursue further. Perhaps there is an other part of me that as an artist can evolve now. And yeah. that, that could be the television shows. And a matter of fact, in the 84, she had her first uh, show that she presented. Yeah. So that, that was nice. I think, I th because I think it's always very hard, um, my products in the ICT world, if, if they were uh, uh, good, then I could earn a lot of money with it. If I made something that was not good, I just threw it away. It had nothing to do with me as being Frankie Raymer. Yeah, yeah. If you are an artist and you are Sandra Raymer and you, you put yourself as a product on the stage and your audience do not buy you as a product, then you as a human being will be affected by that also. And I think that is the hardest part of being an artist, that you as a human being are your own product. So that is, that is what you, what, what, what will make you cautious, frustrated, sad. All those terms are prone lying in waiting for you. So if, if your audience uh, finds another product. Yeah. And I don't think that Sandra is the only one who has suffered from this. No, of course not. No, but this is this is uh, this is uh, yeah. Well, this is what it is in in this trade. But what about you then? Haven't you made any attempts to reach Eurovision? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Please elaborate. <laughs> Well, um, after the, the last Eurovision that we had, right, here in, in Rotterdam. Yep. Uh, uh, a phenomenal, Gorgeous show, I must say. Uh, phenomenal, show. phenomenal show, really. But uh, when, when listening to those songs, I, saw, I, I thought, and together with Justin and Timmy, we said, well, why is this all, quote, unquote, the same? And Justin said, well, can you try and find other notes that make this a little bit different? Just we were not we were just uh, um, playing around a bit here in the television or in the Zoom thing that we had, uh, and then I remembered I wrote some <laughs> a song for a soprano in seventy or whatever, a long time ago seventy five must be seventy six around that course. I said, well, I have I have this song that goes like, <laughs> and he said, uh, oh yeah, I remember that. Because Muriel, one of my uh, spouse's ex, was a soprano and could sing that song. And I said, well, I'd, I'll try to, to, to work on that. So I did. Yeah. And when it was finished, I said, well, you can come and try and record this here in the, in the landing studio. And uh, we thought, well, this, this could be a very nice thing. Shall we try and put it in to the committee? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we did. Yes. And what happened? Oh, uh, um, we got a mail. Uh, thank you for, uh, for sending this in. Uh, we have received it in good order. Bye. And then two days later, it was Dear Frank. We have listened to the song. We like it. 
we have you uh, on a different uh, heap. And if you want to issue the song before March 2022, can you inform us? So I thought I forwarded forwarded of course to uh, to 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 Justin and Tim and uh, and Lara who wrote the text and um, I said, well, guys, we are uh, we are in. <laughs> I don't know, but we are. I don't know. We are in. We are in now, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we're very happy, <laughs> but we know nothing from this point on. So it is waiting uh, for what the committee wants to do, right? Yeah, yeah. Because the, uh, they have to to seek out the right uh, person or persons to to bring this to the stage in Rome. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, we have to wait and see, Emil. <laughs> well, we cross our fingers for you. Yes, thank you. We need that. From LA to New York, from New York to. In the early 2000s, she teamed up with the two other Eurovision legends, Marsha Bolt and Maggie McNeil, under the yes. name Dutch Divas. And they quickly established themselves as a popular live act, particularly with the Dutch gay community. Yes. The city live are fashion lights, busy streets and fancy cars, booze and rocks and all the crowds, everyone's a shining star. It's so inviting to my eyes that I can only be say that she was a gay icon in the Netherlands. Oh yes, definitely. Yes. And and uh, since we were uh, brought up uh, as I told you before as as uh, respecting other people's uh, and not not looking uh, not finding things about how someone is yeah. or what is gender whatever it is, yeah. uh, uh, she was uh, also open to other interests in life. And uh, that was um, received very well uh, with, the, with the gay community. And as you know, the Eurovision Song Contest is also very appreciated by the gay community internationally. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that was just a one-on-one -on -one match. Yeah. And, uh, um, well, apart from that, she was a very nice person. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. And then she can really convey her feelings in through her songs. It's, I think... Yeah, that was a, it was a very nice uh, thing. And the Dutch divas as an act were, of course, very strong. It was a very present act. Those three women were, of course, all three very good artists. Yeah, and in powerful. Themselves. And powerful, yes. So um, I think that, that, that really got to uh, a lot of people, yeah. uh, but also the gay community, yes. Yeah. She left the Divas project in 2005 and the Dutch re representative in 1989, Justin Palmelay, became a member instead. Yeah. Do you pronounce it, Justin Palmelay? Yeah, Palmelay, yeah. Okay. Palmelay. I, I'll, I'll, I'll go for that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what did uh, Sandra do in her life the last 10 years? Mainly two things. Uh, first, trying to find a way 
to get back on stage. And secondly, her uh, affinity to the world and to what uh, more specifically to children. There she tried to uh, set up the Sandra Raymer Foundation, yep. the SRF. Yep. And that was um, from 2006 to 2010, a very large part in her life. Yeah. After that, she tried to pick up her thoughts and tried to make with her thoughts a sort of way of uh, a guide for people who were trying to find peace in their minds. Yeah. And so, to, to, uh, like coaching things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but she would, she did not do the coaching courses or the certificates for that. She just thought, well, I'm, I can't do this because I, I have experienced so many, uh, beautiful, but very many not so beautiful things in my life. And I can, I have overcome those. The way that I overcame my own thresholds, I would like to share with others. Yeah. And that is, that is what she tried to do. And I'm not sure if she was very uh, successful in doing that, but I know that a few people, it was done at her house, the, the, the farm. A few people just uh, kept coming back. So there must be, there must have been something that, uh, that was very, that was attractive to the, to this project. Yeah. For those of us that sadly never met her, what kind of person was she? Hard to say, I think, because I know her, of course, as my sister and being together as the two oldest children of, of a family of five children, we just were brother and sister, right? Yeah. And so we, we, we loved one another. We quarreled. We, we have thrown things at one another, but we always, we also played with one another in, in the, in the woods or in, in th things like what children normally do. And gradually, of course, she becomes ever more famous and uh, travels the world. So in that part, her international capacities were okay. Yeah, she could do that things, but. There is always a backside, yeah. and and that made her, of course, um, cautious. That's that's the word I think. Uh, anyone, well, you you will know that uh, uh, a lot of artists who are really famous are cautious because you are not uh, sure what a journalist, for instance, will do with the information that you give to those persons. Yeah. Yeah. They can make it a wonderful story or they can make it a not so wonderful story. Yeah. So that is that, and that formed her personality, of course, also. So there was a lot of, um, what's it, a personal struggle. Should I do this? Should I, should I not do this? How do I do this then? Uh, things like that were all, uh, very much, uh, part of her, uh, view on the world. So I think that some people, that have met her would, would say, well, she was not that easy. And I know if that is the case, then I think it is a normal way of an artist of that, of that size, if I may say so, to be in this world. Everyone wants something of you. That makes it uh, incredibly uh, complex to be a, a, a normal quote unquote person. <laughs> yeah, I totally understand. And after a short battle with breast cancer, she sadly passed away on the 6th of June 2017, only 66 years old. Besides being a great musician and a Eurovision legend, how would you like us to remember her? 
as the best singer I know in Holland. That is what I so from from the historical show business view. I would say, well, Sandra was the person who could really sing. What made her stand out was that she could sing the lyrics. She could sing the meaning of the lyrics, and that's why perhaps she has such a large audience. And that is because I think that she. Um, well, you have that. You must have had that in Sweden, like the 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 the, the Dutch artists that we have here, uh, who made the really uh, uh, folk songs. Like, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, absolutely. Like uh, the Andre Hazes we have here in, in Holland, which is a very very famous man. He is just a guy from Amsterdam who did not study at all uh, conservatory, nothing, but he could sing uh, songs and believe what he was singing. And Sandra could do this. That uh, if. She has the song "A House Is Not a Home" from from Bert Bacharach. There is a recording from that somewhere, and that is sung so beautifully because the meaning of those lyrics are conveyed on a proper way. But a If you go to a conservatory and you try to, to sing opera, then the, and, and you do the uh, uh, some uh, Nessa Dorma or whatever, then your your teacher will say, "Well, this is the lyrics. Come back in two weeks and tell me what this lyrics is all about." After that, you can start singing. And all, uh, normal uh, pop uh, singers will just say, "Oh, that's a nice song," and start singing it. So the the words are carriers of the notes, yeah, and it should be just the other way around. That the notes are the carriers of the words. That is the message that you try to convey. And we know her as brothers and sisters. So well, she could be a little awkward from time to time, but she had a very warm heart. I was always besides her because we, we grew up together. I, I think I'm, I really know her very, very well. And I really know why a lot of things. Sa Sandra was very alone. And I'm, I'm writing um, uh, her story in a family tale because the interactions between those seven Raymer people, father, mother, and five children, is so uh, compelling, if I may say so. Yeah. Because can you imagine that with three children, Sandra, Frank, and Myrna, they get in Holland in 1958. One of those children in the midst of the 60s uh, rises up and pulls up the rest of the family. Yeah. Right? That gave a very strange dynamics <laughs> in the family, of course. Yeah. And the consequences of that were that Sandra gradually, how do you say that correctly in English? She gradually shut herself in in her own world so we got me as her older her oldest brother because we have another one could not reach her the last period that i for the last time that i had real conversations with her 
were in 2004, 2005. She was so sad because it didn't went well with uh, the Dutch divas and she wanted to stop her life and she was really, really sad. And uh, so we we had a lot of talks then, uh, and uh, just you know talked, philosoph- uh, made some philosophies on life. And when we got out of contact in that period of time, I was very concerned. My parents were very concerned, of course, and we really could not get close. Eventually, in two thousand eight, she started her foundation, and that was she was going upwards again. Yeah. with her health and her views on the world. So that became better. Yeah. And she was growing older, of course. I was also growing older. But what then happened was I got an invitation from the University of Applied Sciences to, to come and teach. And I told her that. And she was so, she was happy for me. That's, that's a said, oh, Frank, well, it's nice that you have that. But she was also sad because she tried for perhaps 15 years after the Dutch Divas to get back into the scene, but didn't know how. <laughs> so that was a very sad background for for the last period in her life. Yeah, and the backside of the limelight, I guess. Oh, definitely, definitely. Because she said, in the, and that was all, that was in the 90s already, she said, well, if you are too old, then they don't want you anymore. And I said to her, well, if you are too old, then you have a lot of experience. Share that with others. Yeah. Yeah, but I can't do that. Well, do try. But she never did that in her trade. As a singer, she did not dare, I think, share her experiences with younger people. But yeah, that, that is a different trade, of course. That's, yeah. well, and I, I, I think that was not a very wise decision, but... I, well, what can I say? <laughs> yeah. um, but okay, uh, she tried, as far as I can see now, she tried really, really hard to get back on track again. Yeah. But by all kinds of circumstances, it did not work. At the end of your life, it is hard to get new commissions, of course. I will elaborate on that, of course, in my, in my book. Yeah. Planning for the book will be somewhere next year. But of course, it depends on what happens with uh, with the song that we uh, that we entered into the competition. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I well, my fingers for this project. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> Thank you so much for this nice and warm conversation, Frank. Welcome, Emil. I was very glad to be here. I am certain that this walk down old memories must have been very emotional for you. And I'm extremely thankful that you wanted to make this episode in honor of your sister together with me. Yes, it was, yeah, well, my honor, really, really. And and it is emotional, yes, but it is, on the other hand, very nice to share with so many of your listeners what my experiences were with a person, a character, a performer like Sandra. And if, if we have succeeded in bringing about that message of who she was, then we did a very good job in you. That is what she would like very much. Oh, oh.